Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Hebrews chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. It all sounds very bloody, doesn't it? It's a bloody mess. That is to say, the reading from our book of Hebrews this morning sounds very uncomfortable and even a tad bit barbaric to us this morning. Jesus entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Yes, blood. Now, no matter how much we try and sanitize and tame the Bible, there are verses like this that make us squirm. The sound of blood, the sound of sacrifice, what offends our supposedly sophisticated and modern sensibilities. And as already stated, the sound of blood and sacrifice even sounds a bit barbaric, barbaric to our modern ears. However, is it really that barbaric? Are we modern and sophisticated Americans really that cultured and civilized that we are taken aback by the reading of Hebrews? No, we're not. No, we are not. Now, dear friends, we all know that life is found in our blood. We know this to be true. Without blood, we can't live. And when blood is shed, we can literally see and feel life leaving our bodies. This is not something that is new to our ears. It is not a profound revelation. We get this. This is something we already know. Let me explain a little bit more. Contrary to what people may think, our culture and world, our culture and world, they're very bloodthirsty. Culture, yes, our culture is very eager, is very eager to cause other people to shed blood. For example, consider what happens in our culture when someone feels as if they have been offended. Yes, when they're offended in our culture. When someone feels as if they have been wronged by someone else. Well, when this happens, they seek the shedding of the blood of the person who dared cross paths with them. Now, please listen carefully as I explain this. 
They actually do not physically go out to shed blood with a weapon or with a fist, but they still seek to shed blood. You see, when our culture is offended, individuals, they become full of anger, they become full of frustration, frustration and rage. There's a desire for seeking justice, and so they become bloodthirsty. And then these individuals, they seek to harm and punish those who dare offend them. This can take many forms, from verbal attacks, to social media shaming, to gossip, to slander. Pick your poison. Simply stated, the whole intent and purpose of this revenge is to drain another's, to drain another person's blood, to inflict harm to their emotional and even physical well-being. Instead of being the one to go to them and to undercover, undercover the offense itself, to address the underlying issue of wrong while our society and individuals in our society, they instead gather a mob to destroy another person's reputation. They conjure up all sorts of drama to destroy the character of another, to destroy their livelihood. When offended, our culture wants blood. But why the intensity, you may say? Why the intensity? You see, when you and I are offended by another person, our conscience, your conscience and mine, can become insulted and twisted and ruined, leading you to have anger, leading you to have perhaps even sorrow or confusion and even a thirst for revenge. Things just don't sit right with us when we're offended. However, to put everything back in order again, to put that conscience back at ease, we falsely believe that if we inflict pain on the other person who has offended us, if we shed some of their blood, our conscience can then be soothed and satisfied. Remember that we may not seek the physical life, the physical shedding of blood of another person, but nonetheless, in revenge, it functions the same way. The reason is, when sin happens, the fundamental thing is, when sin happens, we demand a payment. And that payment is the blood of another. We demand the suffering of their life to set things right in our life. If they cause us to suffer, well, we expect them to suffer to make men's to repair the damage. If they shed blood, if they shed our blood, we feel the need to shed their blood. Now, if you watch any movie or read any drama book, the majority of the stories that we hear and that we read and that we see on the big screen or in a book that pertain to drama, they contain a person who is wronged. Usually that happens in the first couple chapters of the first opening scene. A person is wronged. And then they seek in the rest of the book to shed the blood of another person to put life back together again. And we, the audience, well, any good book or any good movie will tie our conscience in a knot. And then it will lead us down this path of the story where our conscience will hope to have things set right as the character in the book or the movie seeks to shed the blood of another, to make things right, to put it back in order. Again, the point is this. The point that is being made is this. Sin demands the shedding of blood. This is not a barbaric idea, but it is something that is ingrained in the way that we think. It's ingrained in all of us. We see it everywhere when we actually look for it. We watch this happen in our movies, we see it in the news. 
We read about it in books and in the newspaper. And we even thirst for the shedding of blood in other people who offend us in our own lives. Yes, in our very own lives. If blood is shed, we believe that our conscience will be at rest and all will be set right for us. Now, this brings up a very important question, though. Very difficult question. How much blood does someone need to shed for offending us? Think about that very, very carefully. When someone does a wrong, who must bleed and how much? Who should be the whipping boy and how many lashes must he take? My dear friends, the world is not able to answer these questions. And the reason why, the world isn't too interested in the full satisfaction for sin. You see, much of the world is built on a culture of revenge and bloodthirsty vengeance. The world itself would not actually know what to do if full satisfaction for sins would be achieved. But nonetheless, the question still remains for us to consider, for you and me to consider. When someone offends you, who must bleed? and how much blood is necessary for them to bleed for the offense. Now, perhaps an even more difficult question. Man, this is a tough question. An even more difficult question is this. How much blood do you and I have to shed for the sins we commit against others? If you and I demand the blood of others for the times that they offend us, when we are offended by another person, we demand their blood to be shed for their offense against us, then we turn that question and ask ourselves this, how much blood must I shed? How much blood must you shed for the times that you have sinned against your neighbor, against others? Let me just shoot straight with you. Let me be brutally blunt. Listen to this. There's not enough blood and life within you and within me to make up for all the sins that we have committed against other people. There just simply is not enough blood. There is more sin in you than there is blood to atone for your sins. Indeed, there's more sin in you and me. God have mercy. There's more sin in you and me then there is blood for us to atone for our sins. You cannot bleed out enough to make up for the sins that you have committed against your neighbor. If you think you can, well, I don't mean to be rude, but you are a fool to be pitied. And so here's the real kicker. If you and I do not have the capacity to bleed for all the sins that we have committed, why do we expect others to bleed out for the sins that they have committed against us? This is hypocrisy. It is my hypocrisy. This is your hypocrisy at its worst. Please listen. There is so much sin in our lives and in the lives of others around us that we cannot shed enough blood to fix the sins of the world. This world is a world where all of humanity is constantly sinning and offending one another And then we set out with vengeance and revenge to draw blood from others for their offense when they do not have enough blood to shed for their offense to begin with. 
And while we're making all these demands of others to shed their blood for you and for me, for their failures and their sins against us, we often do not even give a second thought for all the shed blood that we owe for our sins and failures to others around us. What a horrible, bloody mess we are. The reading from the book of Hebrews, though, God be praised, tells us something different, something profound, gives us a sense of hope. Listen again. Jesus entered, entered once for all. Jesus entered once for all into the holy place, not, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Now, did you hear that? Once for all, using his own blood as the price to free you, Jesus atoned for your sin and the sins of the entire world. The Son of God made one payment for you by shedding his blood for you. Christ forgives you and purifies your conscience by himself and by shedding his own blood only one time. He made eternal life sure and complete for you totally complete for you. And so what this means, and so what this means, is that every single sin, it means that every single sin of your neighbor and every single sin committed by you finds its end in the blood of Christ. No more blood needs to be shed. Think of this one more time. Hear this yet again. I cannot stress it enough. Once for all, using his own blood as the price to free you, Jesus atoned for your sin and the sin of the entire world. The Son of God made one payment for you by shedding his blood to purify your conscience. Full stop. Complete. Done. You see, there's more forgiveness in Jesus' blood than there is sin in you and sin in your neighbor. There's more forgiveness in Jesus' blood than there is sin that we have. And so hear this loud and clear. All sin must find its end in the shed blood of Christ. Otherwise, my friends, Christ died for nothing. And your conscience, whether you are sinned against or whether you sin against your neighbor, your conscience, though, is purified by the blood of Christ, knowing that Christ's blood is the end of sin's condemnation and the end of the world's shame and the end of the world's shame. And so, while the world itself will make demands for more and more shed blood, crying out that blood must be shed for every single offense that it finds, you though as a Christian, you as blood-bought baptized saints, yes, you as Christians know only the blood of Christ is needed, indeed. Furthermore, unlike all the world's endless demands for more and more shed blood, your Jesus, ah, your Jesus does not need to be killed over and over for you over and over again, for he is the one-time satisfaction for every sin of the entire world, which includes every single one of yours. And so, baptized saints, this is where Lent is leading us, the season of Lent where it's leading us. In the season of Lent, we see our sins, No doubt about it. Lent reveals to us our sins. However, the season of Lent then takes our understanding of our sin and then it turns you and I to this Passion Tide Sunday. It turns us towards the blood shed on Mount Calvary where we yet again hear that the Son of God, yes, that the Son of God died once for all, 
shedding his own blood to make full and complete satisfaction for you and for me so that our conscience might be purified in the Son of God. Blood. It's Christ's blood for you. And it is sufficient for you to have a purified conscience and complete and total forgiveness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.